Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. Have you ever known someone who could hold a grudge like it was something precious? It's no fun to be around someone who has nothing good to say about someone that they are at odds with. And that attitude is something that Jesus warns us to stay away from. I'm calling episode 33, Reconciliation, Not Revenge. You see it every day in the news. A driver doesn't like someone's lane change, so they force that car off the road and assault the other driver. Someone is angry at being disrespected by an ex, so they murder their ex and the ex's new partner. Political foes engage in character assassination to win an election. Legislators change rules to get the results they want and that are dismayed when the rules they changed come back to bite them when the political winds change and the other guys have the majority. The cycle of anger and revenge never ends. But this is not just a current problem. It is as old as mankind. Our scripture reading today comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. You have heard that our ancestors were told... You must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. Under the Old Covenant, the law explicitly prohibited the act of murder. Anyone who acted as judge and jury and took the life of another in anger was to be judged and punished severely. But the problem with written laws is that they can only address specific actions. Motivations or reasons are much more difficult to determine. So if the law says, don't murder and the person you are at odds with is still breathing, then you have obeyed the law. Maybe you have devoted your life to taking them down. Maybe there's not a minute in the day when you aren't hoping that something really bad will happen to them that you can't be blamed for. Maybe every time their name comes up in a conversation, you have to tell what an awful person they are. You are always looking for a chance for revenge. But you have not murdered them. They are still alive, so you are following the law. But the problem is that this cycle of hurt, blame, resentment, anger, and revenge 
never stops. Even if you are able to destroy your enemy's reputation, it doesn't keep them from living rent-free in your head and keeping you miserable. And you're always aware that your enemy is looking for a chance to get you back for what you've done to them. This kind of resentment and revenge cycle can go on for generations and affect entire nations. You certainly see it play out every day in our political system. The party with the majority sticks it to the other party as much as they can, and then when the majority shifts, it's payback time. The desire to make the other side look as bad as possible ensures that nothing positive ever gets done, because to say that the other side has a good idea is seen as political suicide. Well, Jesus says that his followers should not be acting that way. His new covenant, based in salvation by God's grace through our faith in Jesus as our Savior, is a glorious pathway to living in a fully human way. And when we hold on to grudges and nurse resentment, it makes us a little less human. You become less of a person when you allow smoldering resentment towards someone take root in your spirit. To harbor secret thoughts of exacting revenge on someone, or even to wish for bad things to happen to another, is in direct opposition to what Jesus commanded when he said that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And here's something else. Your trash talk can turn on you. You could be the one who is hauled into court to answer for the names you called your enemy. I once had a friend who was going through a messy divorce. All of his so-called friends jumped in and took sides. There was a lot of loose talk going on, and it got really ugly. I invited my friend to lunch one day, and unfortunately encountered one of those friends. In the crowded restaurant, this man of some reputation came over and wanted to begin a fight, making awful accusations of my friend. Another fellow and I were able to intervene to stop it short of a physical confrontation, but it was horrible and it was embarrassing. Later, the man refused to apologize for his behavior and said that he was never able to contain his anger when it flared up. I and the other witnesses to this event lost all respect for this man who unnecessarily started the altercation. By giving in to his anger and not attempting to reconcile, he was the one who paid the price. Think about how you feel about someone who is always complaining about what other people are doing, or the person who impugns another person's character or reputation because of a disagreement. It quickly gets tiresome to listen to someone who has given in to bitterness and goes on and on about another. Over time, listening to this constant barrage of anger and bitterness can rub off on you, making it easy for you to throw in with them and be bitter yourself. Not exactly a great way to represent Christ, is it? Instead, Jesus calls those of us who profess to be Christ followers to take the opposite approach. It is our job to attempt to reconcile, to make friends whenever possible. This is an approach that is very simple, but it is very difficult and costly. It requires that we get off the high horse of our own opinions and listen to what the other person has to say. 
This exercise of listening doesn't mean that you have to agree with or validate the other person's position, but it does require that you validate their inherent value as a fellow imperfect human being. Several years ago, I was talking with a young man who was very zealous for the Lord. Whenever he would encounter someone whose ideas didn't line up with his view of right and wrong, he would call them out and tell them just how wrong they were. This was causing problems in his relationship with his wife's family because every gathering became a time for him to point out what each one was doing wrong. After he was uninvited to a family event, he poured out his frustration to me. He was very frustrated and angry with his family because they didn't want to hear the truth. I tried to talk to him about speaking the truth in love and that persuasion is more effective than proclamation. I asked him if someone who he had just met wanted him to change his mind about something he felt very strongly about. Would they be successful if they started by telling him how wrong he was? Or that if he wanted to be their friend, he'd have to stop thinking that way? Well, he agreed that that approach wouldn't work at all with him, since he thought those things through and he was convinced that he was right. I said, okay, the people you're talking to are also convinced that they are right. You won't be able to shout or shame them into changing their minds any more than they could shout or shame you into changing yours. He thought about it for a minute and realized that what I said made sense to him. But he could not give up his idea that he held the superior position, and he eventually lost all relationship with his in-laws. And then eventually his marriage ended as well. This matter of reconciling with those who we have disagreements with is a really important matter to Jesus. He sees reconciliation as more important than worship. He gives an over-the-top exaggerated example of what he means. He imagines that someone has journeyed to Jerusalem to make a sacrifice. They have the animal that they plan to offer. As they enter the temple, they remember the person that they had treated poorly and how that hurt or anger is still out there, and it hasn't been dealt with yet. Even though they have made it all the way to the altar at the temple, Jesus is saying that making things right should happen before this act of worship. This tells us that the way we treat people, the way that we conduct our relationships with people, is very important to Jesus. He didn't say to finish making the sacrifice and then go reconcile. He's saying that you have no business performing some religious service until you've made it right with those you've offended. This also means that you need to try to reconcile even if you feel that you are in the right and that if your issue was made public that you would be vindicated and your opponent outed for the sorry excuse of a person they are. He says if you are taking your adversary to court, make every effort to work things out before you stand before the judge. That judge might not see things the way you do, and you could be the one who loses. Once again, this calls for an attitude of humility and a recognition that you are not the final word on what is right and wrong. There is a righteous judge, and it's not you, and it's not me. Our righteous judge has told us what to do. 
we are to treat people right, respect every person as someone who was created in the image of God, love your neighbor the way you want to be loved, be the one who brings reconciliation. Once again, the command is simple, but that sure doesn't mean that it's easy. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the I'm Still Learning podcast. If you find this podcast interesting, won't you please share it with a friend? Also, let me know what you think. Find me on Facebook or Instagram under my name, Randy Whitlow, or send an email to rbwhitlow at me.com. Until next week, I'm Randy Whitlow, and I'm still learning.